Entering the Cotton Bowl against Missouri, lots of talk for Ohio State about motivation, opt-outs, and of course, their starting quarterback entering the transfer portal. I want to talk to Jay Stevens of Locked On Ohio State to try to answer all these questions. And by the way, maybe one of us is not a homer on this particular show and doesn't pick his home team. Find out which one of us coming up right now on this special crossover Cotton Bowl edition of Locked On Mizzou. You are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody out there in Locked On Podcast land. I'm John Miller, the host of the Locked On Mizzou Podcast. Here with a special crossover edition here, going to be talking the Cotton Bowl with Locked On Buckeyes, Jay Stevens. Jay, thanks for joining me today. Actually, you invited me, so what am I talking about? Thanks for inviting me, quite honestly. No problem, John. Happy to be here with you and happy and looking forward to the Cotton Bowl. I think this is a sneaky good matchup. One of those games that college football fans will be drawn to because of Ohio State, and then they'll stay because of the caliber of talent on both the Buckeyes and the Missouri football teams. Yeah, I think if uh, people haven't figured out that this is a really good Missouri ball club by now, I think they probably will if they check out the Cotton Bowl for sure. And and Jay, I kind of just want to get right into it here. To me, the biggest question of this ball game is a little bit obvious. Is Ohio State into this game or not? Are they motivated to win this game? I believe they are. Recently, starting defensive end Jack Sawyer was in a presser, and Tim May, longtime reporter covering Ohio State, I believe for 40 years, asked Jack Sawyer a question about, hey, there are people out there saying this is a meaningless bowl. Do you buy into that thought that this game doesn't mean anything? And Jack Sawyer, I can't quote him because he used some words that I'm not going to use on the show, but he said, pardon my French, I think that's BS. And so I do believe if Jack Sawyer is saying that, he's not just speaking for himself. He's speaking for the other players that are there. I believe they're motivated. And a lot of it is not just the game, the Cotton Bowl. You don't want to end the season with that bad taste in your mouth by losing to Michigan Thanksgiving weekend. You want to go into into this game motivated, ready to go. You saw what happened in the Rose Bowl in 2021 and how that catapulted into 2022. You kind of want that same feeling again, once again, hey, Yeah, losing to Michigan sucks. It's the worst game to lose in the world. But you can also turn around a month later and show everybody we're a really good football team, one of the best teams in the country, and we're going to go down to Dallas and be motivated to play Missouri. Yeah, that's that's a great take. And honestly, I think it could almost backfire if this is too much talk from the Ohio State side, if they start to really motivate themselves here and say, hey, wait a second. We're Ohio State. We're playing Missouri. We're, what, 10-1 and all time against these guys. Not that the uh, 19-year-olds are too worried about the Pete Woods (laughs) days back in the day for you Missouri fans. But really, to me, the biggest question here is is not just motivation. It goes beyond that. Obviously, there are guys who are opting out of the game, much more on the Ohio State side than the Missouri side so far. So the biggest question is, number one, Marvin Harrison Jr., is there any chance he's going to play in this game, or is the amount of time it's taking him to opt out, perhaps? Is this just kind of gamesmanship maybe coming out of Columbus? 
I think there is a thought that he will play. Just that player specifically. I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't. But when he came to Columbus and said, there's two things I want to do in my career at Ohio State. Beat Michigan and play in the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis. And through three years in Columbus, he has not done that. I believe there's a thought that he will stay and play at Ohio State next year. Realistic thought. And he will play in this game. He also remembers what happened in 2021, actually 2022, January 1st in the Rose Bowl, where he realized, hey, I didn't start this year, but this is a great way for me to show everybody what I can do. If this is, if he ha- views that, this game like he did that game, he can show everybody once again, hey, I am one of the best receivers in the country. I won the Bolitnikoff Award, and NFL teams would be stupid to not draft me, not just top 10 potentially top five or top three in the upcoming draft. So you can use this not only saying, hey, use help me in the future my next year at Ohio State, like 2021, but this year NFL teams watch me last game of the season and go off against Missouri. Y'all better get me at the top of the draft because if not, I'll torture you in the NFL. Well, and one thing, Missouri has – Two of the best corners in the country, in my humble opinion. Now, one of them is not going to play because of injury. Ennis Rakestraw is not going to play in the game. And honestly, I don't think enough has really been made of that from the Missouri side because with that combination, I thought that was kind of the secret sauce of the Missouri defense, in my opinion. But to all the people who say that Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't have a lot to gain from this particular game, I would disagree with that a little bit because in the NFL draft, there's a significant difference between pick, say, third overall or fourth overall, something like that, which is possible for him, or maybe going eight, nine, or ten, something like that. Still a really high pick, but again, in terms of money, actually that is worth risking four quarters of football for, especially in a world where you have injury insurance policies and all of this stuff. And again, not only do you have a good Missouri matchup here at corner, you can show out against a good SEC opponent, but also you're showing these NFL scouts hey, I'm a competitor. I'm not like these guys who opt out. I'm ready to go. Let's strap up and play. So to me, that actually is valuable if you're Marvin Harrison Jr. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I view this as a great opportunity, not just for Marvin Harrison Jr. You didn't mention this guy, Travion Henderson. There are people out there that are saying he is going to the NFL. The people out there that are saying he should stay in school. Whatever his decision is, Use this opportunity to show how valuable you are, to show everybody in college and at the next level, hey, I understand what happened in the game against Michigan. I understand durability is an issue for me. I understand the pros and cons of my gameplay in college. With a month off, a lot has happened internally with recruiting, people questioning some coaching decisions and moving on from some coaches. McCourt's gone. Fleming's gone. There's a lot that has happened. Show everybody your value to the team and their future value or potential value if they look at you and try to get you in the NFL draft. Personally, let me just go ahead and get this off my chest. I think Henderson should stay in school. I understand if Marv goes to the NFL, wouldn't be mad about it. I wouldn't be mad if Henderson went to the NFL either. But I personally believe with the durability issues that Henderson has in college football, he needs to stay at Ohio State one more year and show, hey, I can be hel- I, I can play 10 games in a row without ha- losing 
playing time in one game because of injury. I can do things inside the tackle. I can be explosive outside, but also get consistent four or five or six yards a pop between the tackles. There's a lot of things he can show for his value at the next level. To me, if he was more durable, go to the NFL, great. But durability is a big question, Mark. Stay hmm. in school, young man. So it sounds like you're thinking Travion Henderson, the running back, likely to play maybe Harrison, kind of iffy at this point. Anybody else out there, notables, that are going to be in or out, in your opinion? Ameka Buka is one wide receiver that's kind of on the fence. A big one that I've been looking forward to talking about, I haven't really touched on him at all on the show, Lathan Ransom. Got hurt towards the end of the regular season, a safety, a fourth-year guy. He can stay at Ohio State, came in that COVID year, so he could have another year and still be eligible, play basically five years and five um, because you get a free year there. And he's one that I think, when it comes to Ohio State, not only defending Cody Schrader, but also Luther Burton, two guys that are AP All-Americans. Fun fact, John, Missouri had more AP All-Americans than Ohio State. I looked at it before getting on the show, and I was like, whoa, I knew they were talented, but that just shows about how talented they are and how much Ohio State needs to level up the play that they had on the field. But if Lathan Ransom comes back and plays in this game and really allows Sonny Styles to play closer to the line of scrimmage, that really helps Ohio State defend the rushing attack. I mean, Schrader's going to have over 1,500 rushing yards this, this year. He's at 1499 and I think he'll get at least one in the game in the Cotton Bowl. Let's hope so. so. Man, dude, I mean, <laughs> fun to watch. Like, I'm sitting here watching stuff on YouTube, and I'm like, yeah. my goodness, he is a handful. But Lathan Ransom is one of those guys, if he's able to play, not so much on the fence about playing or not as far as NFL-wise, but simply injury. I don't know how healthy he is. Ryan Day has kept that really quiet over the past few weeks. I don't blame him, but if Lathan Ransom can play, that drastically improves Ohio State's run defense. Really good stuff there, Jay. And you know what? One guy, there's kind of one guy who's kind of the elephant in the room right now we have not talked about yet. It's former now Ohio State quarterback <laughs> Kyle McCord. We got to talk about his replacement. What the heck happened with McCord is my big question, too, by the way. So we're going to get there here in just a second. But first, I want to tell you that passion, drive, and patience, what brings home the winning trophy, is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything. You need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more. Whether you're into power, speed, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts, for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber not cash, and with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that W. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Thanks for making Locked On Mizzou and or Locked On Buckeyes your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. 
Again, that's Locked On Sports Today on YouTube. And Jay, again, got to talk some Kyle McCord here. What exactly happened with the young quarterback who went 11-1 and this season? 11-1, and I think it was 24 passing touchdowns, over 3,100 passing yards. I mean, these are numbers that if you're any other school in the country, you're sitting here like, wow, I want that guy to be my QB1. And maybe if you're Alabama or maybe USC or one of the upper echelon or Missouri, you know, oh, yeah, we got Brady yeah, Cook. We're correct. good to go, but you're correct. He's pretty <laughs> no, good I, well. I'm messing with you, but seriously, <laughs> you know, there are some schools that are content with their options. And it was interesting to see, in my opinion, he transferred down. He's still in the power five, but Syracuse is not Ohio state to your point. No, I think it's one of those years where Ohio state, quarterback did not stand up and play up to the standard the lofty standard that has been set at Ohio State Ryan Day had kind of an end of year conversation where it really wasn't end of the year because the end of the year is post cotton bowl but it's kind of like hey before the portal opens let me tell you where you stand with us Kyle McCord wanted a confirmation about next year's starting role didn't happen Ryan Day said his plan is to go to the portal to get a quarterback hey we still want you to stay here and compete for next year's starting role Kyle McCord said hey we met, we don't see eye to eye, I'm going to the portal. The one thing about Syracuse is he believes in Fran Brown, the new head coach. And that's huge. You got a new head coach there. You got a couple transfer receivers from Georgia. So you know you got talent, not just bringing in Kyle McCord from Ohio State, a couple guys that are at Georgia that are now going to Syracuse. They got talent there. No, it wasn't a lateral move as far as elite power five school to another elite power five school. But I say this all the time, John. Sometimes transferring down is the best thing for you. Absolutely. Sometimes transferring down is the best thing for your future, not just in college football, but football career as a whole. So I'm not mad about Kyle McCord. I understand why he left. I understand why he went to Syracuse. I'd hope nothing but the best for them. But as it comes to the Cotton Bowl, if I'm a Missouri fan, you should be happy and excited that you have a very inexperienced quarterback in Devin Brown who is QB1 for Ohio State. A guy that's only played in seven games. I believe he's only thrown 22 passes. Has, I think, two passing touchdowns, one interception. Done a little bit. But your first starts in the Cotton Bowl down in Jerry's World against this good football team, Missouri football players should be chomping at the bit and excited that they get a chance to go after the quarterback and to really just mess up, maybe potentially mess up Devin Brown's mindset and psyche about, man, Maybe the lights are too bright for me at this level, being a starting quarterback at Ohio State. I don't know. Like, I want to be very excited about him, but the unknowns about him and him being unproven make me a little nervous about the Buckeyes' offense in this game. So you think he's definitely the starter, and if so, what does his skill set look like? Yeah, John, he made a comment about it. That same presser, same day of pressers, when I mentioned Jack Sawyer earlier, talking about the motivation for this game that same day Devin Brown was in a presser and someone asked him, I, I don't know if the question was even about QB1 and starting in this game, but he said, I'm very excited to start, make my first start in the Cotton Bowl. Very next day on Ryan Day's show, he mentioned and confirmed what Devin Brown said, that Brown is QB1 for the Cotton Bowl. So his skill set, I mean, I I would love to sit out here and say I got like five bullet points, pros and cons. I don't like to use high school film to sit up here and say what a guy's going to do in college. Right. I know he has an arm in high school. I know he can do some things. I know he can be somewhat of a gunslinger. I know Ohio State wanted to use him in a more of a run, short yardage package in the season to get him on the field. I know he had a long touchdown completion to Brandon Ennis in the season. 
I don't know what he's going to do consistently in college football. So it's very hard to say a scouting report in college because there's really no film on him, not enough film on him to say, oh, he's this kind of quarterback. I know a Bu- Buckeye fans and even Mizzou fans are like, give us more, give us. I got to use the eyeballs and sure. the film to tell me what a guy's going to be. We don't have that on Devin Brown just yet. Well, great stuff on on Devin Brown and really Kyle McCord, too. That's really great context because, you know, from a Missouri fan's perspective, outside looking in, you're just going, hey, what's going on here? That makes all the sense in the world. I love that stuff there and love that perspective. But you know what? Why don't you flip the script on me here, Jay? What what are you concerned about from from your perspective, from the Missouri side? What's your biggest question for me, in your opinion? That three-headed monster, man. How do they do it? Getting Brady Cook and Cody Schrader, then Luther Burden the ball. Brady Cook is not only a threat, the passing the ball. I saw he had eight rushing touchdowns this year. Yeah. I'm sitting here like, and I'm, I watched some of the Arkansas game, last game of the regular season. I want to see the last game they played. I understand Arkansas might not be, it's not a top sure. 25 team. So I understand like the caliber, caliber of opponent is not up there. But John, I'm sitting here like, oh gosh. I know Ohio State's defense is good. But I don't think all year they've had to have a guy had to go up against, against an office that has a 3,000-yard passer, a let's just say 1,500-yard rusher, sure. and then also a guy in Luther Burden who has 1,100, basically 1,200 receiving yards on the season. That three-headed monster, how do they keep everybody happy? You know, honestly, that's that's been pretty easy. A lot of the offense starts with Cody Schrader, number one. He is the the number one back, and he's number one A, one B, and one C. Nobody else really touches the ball, so that part it's easy to keep him happy. There were part there were times in the middle of the season I was even going, "Hey, maybe we should give this guy a break on occasion." Well, he seemed to just get stronger, not only in the second half of ball games, but as the season went along too. So incredibly impressed with Cody Schrader on about. 5 billion different levels, no doubt about that. But when it comes to the Missouri passing game, too, fortunately, Brady Cook has a lot to work with. It's not just Luther Burden, but again, in order to keep Luther Burden happy, well, not that that's what it's all about, but you just want to get him the football because he's one of the top five receivers, NFL prospects in the country, in my opinion. I'd have Marvin Harrison ahead of him. Not too many people other than that, though. He's really that good. And when you have him in the slot, as he is 90% of the time, I would say, it's just simply easier to get him the ball. We all know that. It's a physically shorter distance the ball has to travel. Yeah. And a lot of times you're matched up with not necessarily the best pass defenders either in the slot. So I, I think that part's pretty easy. The good news is, again, there's there's other good Missouri wide receivers too, like Theo Weiss, who is a transfer from Oklahoma, and a transfer from Ohio State, Mookie Cooper, actually, former St. Louis uh, area high school player has had a really nice final campaign, what I assume is probably his final campaign for the Tigers, too. You know, I'm also thinking about when it comes to this game, not just those three guys, but really it's Ohio State's defense and how Missouri might try to attack it. Because I understand Ohio State's defense is one of the best units in the entire country. Kind of maybe lose sight of that because there's been a long layoff for both teams playing football since their final game of the season. But how do you expect Missouri's offense to kind of attack a really stingy defense of Ohio State? 
Well, the thing that Missouri likes to do against everybody, against every defense, get it, getting you running side to side. So you're going to see a ton of outside zone runs by Missouri. And by the way, when they're running that outside zone to one side of the field, usually it's to, to the short side of the field. A lot of times Luther Burden or Mookie Cooper or one of those other speedy wide receivers is going to be running some type of jet sweep action to the opposite side of the field. So as a defense Obviously, that makes it challenging in a number of different ways. You got to communicate those jet sweep actions, and you're again, you're just running in all types of different directions. I think that's one reason, one major reason why Missouri has been more effective in the second half a lot with their running game. The longer they stick with it, seemingly the more effective they get with it. And also in the Missouri passing game, a lot of short passes, screen passes and stuff paired with play action deep shots. I think that's what you're going to see a lot from the Tigers. You know, the Buckeyes offensive line has been improved throughout this year. Early in the year, I was very critical. You may, at worst, critical come up a couple times. I try to be a very fair analyst of the sport, but also be critical when I need to be. And I was very critical early in the season about Ohio State's offensive line. When I went back later on and saw some of the film, I was like, wait, I was wrong. That Notre Dame game, I saw a lot more growth than I thought I did in real time, and they have really showed major strides. But it's different when you have a new quarterback behind you passing the ball. Right. Do you expect Missouri to kind of bring the house and different kind of exotic blitzes to try to get after a young, inexperienced quarterback? A hundred percent, yes. Not only because of what you just laid out there, but that's typically how Blake Baker, the Missouri defensive coordinator, and this group likes to play. And even with Ennis Rakestraw out of this game, one of Missouri's corners once again, they have a third guy, Drayden Norwood, who played a lot of snaps this year and played pretty well in his own right. So I don't think it's going to be a sieve or anything on the opposite side of Chris Abrams' drain. But again, Missouri, because they had two good corners, play a lot of man coverage, and they're able to then bring five or six guys in pressure too, and they did it very effectively. You know, Most of the time when Missouri would get a sack, it wouldn't be from just rushing four guys. Certainly it would be from, like you said, a, a risky or exotic blitz of some sort. You know, I didn't bring this up earlier. It came up when we were talking about Ohio State, but John, I'm going to ask the same question about Missouri in more of a different way. Talk about Buckeyes being motivated for this game does this game mean everything for Missouri? Everything is probably a little too strong. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know that the outside of the college football playoff these days that you can say that that it means everything to yeah. anybody. Now, I, I could be wrong. I hope the answer by if you ask Brady Cook this question, I hope he'd look you dead in the eyes and say yes. Yeah. I, I just can't speak for everybody in right. that locker room, but I respect when that. you. Yeah, but when you look at it from the outside looking in, again, Rakestraw is not playing because he has a legitimate injury. Chad Bailey, a starting linebacker, again, legitimately hurt. This would be his last game in college, not a pro guy, I don't believe. I'm sure he would want to play. Nobody has opted out of this game, to my knowledge whatsoever. And Chris Abrams' drain could be a first-round, second-round kind of pick. He's absolutely playing. That speaks to this, and it, it just does seem like all year this team's motto has literally been something to prove, and it seems like they're going to keep that chip on their shoulder into the bowl season. At least I hope so. Last thing here I got, and it goes back to not just Abrams' drain, but just the pass coverage and defense of Missouri. I don't know if both Harrison Jr. and Abuka are going to play. 
And so that may change the defensive coverage and maybe pressure or lack thereof on the outside. Because if you have Xavier Johnson starting at one receiver, which I believe he replaces Julian Fleming, and let's say Abuka doesn't play, but Harrison Jr. does, do you bring in Carnell Tate, who's a freshman? I think he's really talented, but that might alter the pressure that Missouri might bring at the on the outside. What kind of expectations do you have for the pass coverage of Missouri against possibly a young and also inexperienced receiving group of Ohio State. I say that realizing I I kind of expect you to play until you tell me you're not. So I expect the Buka and Harrison Jr. to play right. until they say they're not going to. I know reality is both might not play, right. and it could be an even more inexperienced receiving group for the Buckeyes. Well, in my opinion, I, I think that's just a, an enormous variable there. I think if those two guys play, then I have to adjust my expectations yeah. a little bit. You know, I mean, especially again with Rake Straw out, as good as I think Norwood was this year, again, that's one fewer guy. And a lot of times, Norwood on third downs, Missouri would would run a dime package. They'd move Rake Straw inside, move Norwood outside. So suddenly you've got a really, really stout, you know, three on three there essentially. Plus you've got Dalen Carnell, who was a four star corner in high school. He's now a star at the star position, which is a hybrid safety type mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. He's essentially going to be your other guy. If you got four receivers out there, you got two slot guys, he's going to cover the other slot. So you're in pretty good shape there if you're Missouri. Again, the problem is it's not just that Rake draws out it's that well who's going to be that fourth guy there that's a question mark so yeah if 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 Harrison Jr. and uh and and the excuse me the other guys the other young man's name there if he plays then that makes a big difference to me because we all we already know Julian Fleming's out that has to hurt the Buckeyes to me one more of those guys might be a few too many you know John I'm going to be um brutally honest and many Buckeye fans will agree with me um losing Fleming is huge as far as leadership wise he was a great run blocker as a receiver he had way too many drops this year I I I have been calling all year for somebody to play more than Fleming especially in pass obvious passing downs maybe Xavier Johnson or a younger receiver who doesn't have all the experience but you can't have all those drops and consistently be out there and pass in obvious passing situations but he was still out there so I get and understand that maybe from the outside looking in, this isn't just you, John. Like, this is just sure. a lot of people around the sport. People will see, oh, Fleming, he's this, he's that. Right. No, he really has kind of been a down spot, down player, uh, not the best player as far as a pass catching game. Mason made a big catch against, against Notre Dame, won't take that from him, but had quite a few drops in key areas for the Buckeyes this year. Well, again, love that context, Jay. And to your point there, you know, this line opened. Ohio State was favored by six and a half. Yeah. But then, in a pretty short order, zoomed all the way to Missouri by two and a half. Now it's yeah. sitting at Missouri one and a half now at FanDuel Sportsbook at last check. Let me just refresh the page there real quick and make sure that's right. Yeah, still one and a half here as we record here on Thursday evening, the 21st. But what does that say to you? I mean, an eight point movement. That seems pretty extreme to me. What, what is it? What do you think? Extreme, but when you lose your starting quarterback, a still month eight the points last though. Is he, is he is Kyle McCord an eight point guy though? That seems like that's a Caleb Williams kind of line movement to me. 
I wouldn't say I would say yes because the Buckeyes offense really wasn't elite this year. It okay. was not what you would expect from a Buckeyes offense. That's true. I agree running with the, that. Running the ball was a problem, not a good problem, but a really bad issue for Ohio State. Durability in the running back room for the second year in a row was a problem as well. So there were some issues there. For the issues McCord had, he was a pretty good quarterback, a pretty solid quarterback, not the best quarterback in the world, but pretty solid. Like I said, 24 interceptions, only, I mean, uh, passing touchdowns, only six interceptions is one of those things where it's like, whoa, that's something that you would say, hey, if you're saying you're not going to stick with the guy for next season, you may think he had 10 or 12 or 14 INTs. Only six for a guy in year one as a starter. That's actually pretty good in this sport, especially when expectations are so high at Ohio State. So in theory, I think if the Buckeyes offense were better, McCord is not an eight-point swing. But it's not just McCord leaving. It's the replacement literally having no experience as a starter, only playing seven games, only throwing, I believe, 22 passes. So I do believe a cord might be an eight-point swing, which is really odd to say out of my mouth when I think about it because I was critical of him as well, but also praised him for numerous things he did this year. Okay, well, you know what, Jay? I'm, I'm, we're running a little short on time here, so i got to put you on the spot. Who's going to win this ball game? What's the final oh, score? Oh, my gosh. I don't like this, John. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Um, I can't put my faith in Devin Brown and say a guy's unproven he's inexperienced don't know what to expect from him and expect him to go in this game and win I've been riding the Buckeyes defense all year which is great but I don't know if the Buckeyes defense can do enough to overcome an inexperienced quarterback an unproven quarterback in the Cotton Bowl against a really good Missouri team so I got Missouri winning my sister-in-law is a Mizzou grad I told her when this matchup first came out, Ohio State's going to wax Mizzou. I might see her on <laughs> Christmas. And so that she might be like, Jay, what happened? Quarterback left. Uh, I'm probably going 30. I'm probably going 31 24. Oh, wow. Uh, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's too high. That's too high. Um, let's go 24 17. Uh, 24, I think the Buckeyes 17. two touchdowns and a field goal. Okay. Um, 24-17, Mizzou wins. I hate saying it. Sorry, I long-winded when you said we're short on time, but there we are. <laughs> That's quite all right. I appreciate the thoughts. And honestly, I I, I said wow because I almost had the same score you initially put, threw out there. I was going to say 31-21, and initially I was going to go closer than that. But, you know, the context you've given me here, Jay, and your frankly, your – non-confidence your lack of confidence in uh, Devin Brown has me a little more confident in my team that's for sure so yeah again I'm gonna go 31-21 Missouri takes down Ohio State but honestly even as I say that I'm I'm questioning myself and going this is gonna be like a field goal game right <laughs> it just it just feels like it's it, it's not gonna be that easy that's how I'm feeling about it but hey hopefully this has been an easy listen for you today Jay thanks so much for inviting me onto the show and this has been a lot of fun man it really has been so check out locked on buckeyes follow jay on x at jay stevens that's stevens with a ph jay stevens 07 i'm john miller you can find me at locked on mizzou and of course you can find locked on locked on mizzou excuse me for free on youtube and wherever you get audio podcasts so until next time we'll see you at the cotton bowl here in just a week or so right here on locked on mizzou and locked on buckeyes